0: Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner.
1: We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of
2: books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Taryn Griffin. I'm Caitlin
0: Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Alright guys, this is Felicia and I'm going to start us out with A high five, and that is that I took my oldest on a little lunch date yesterday, just checked him out of school for his lunch to get new shoes because he needed new shoes, which side note of sadness, he's now at the stage where his shoes no longer going to be passed downable to his other siblings because he wears them to holes in them. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. I am amazed by it. But anyways, it was just so precious. Just being one-on-one with your kids Mm -hmm. is the best. So that's a high five, even though it was like 45 minutes, it was just so sweet. That's awesome.
1: Okay. My, I also have a high five and mine is to miracle mornings with babies because it's quite fun. So I have a little five month old and he is just, oh, they're just so soft and yummy. They're just so (laughs) cute. So it's fun because, um you know, he usually gets up around like five or six ish for like a feeding. And so it's nice because that's kind of my alarm. Like I wake up just naturally whenever he does. Cause for me, that timing works out, whether it's five or six, it works out okay for me. And so usually like I get up, I start feeding him. And then during that time as I'm feeding him, it kind of like, I'm naturally feeling kind of like calmly awake. So I like, we'll sometimes do some breathing and some meditation while I'm feeding him and with him. And then You know, I'll go into, like, my own personal Like, I'll do those first, like, three, like, my meditation, my affirmations, and some visualization just as I'm, like, with him, like, snuggling him. And it's just so fun. It's just, like, added this beautiful, like, calming. Because babies are just, they're so present. They're so calming. And they're so snuggly. Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, it's just been really fun, honestly, like, to have that as part of, like, it's, like, a very nice way to wake up rather Mm -hmm. than waking Mm -hmm. up to alarm. It's, like, I just get to snuggle my baby for you know, a oh. while. And so,
2: anyway, so that was, that's been my high five. It's just been really fun to do that miracle morning with him. That makes my heart kind of ache uh I miss that. I mean, that's just so beautiful. I mean, I can hear, as you're talking, I can like hear the little sounds babies make as they drink, you know, know, the little, you yeah. know, and yeah, it's the best. I used to do that too. I do my meditation and it was just like a love meditation pretty yeah. much. Cause you're just exchanging, not only exchanging love, but like, There's like physical. If you're breastfeeding, there's like an actual like giving there and Mm -hmm. receiving. And if you're bottle feeding, you're obviously also still giving and receiving. It you know. Yeah. However you're doing it, it's just so beautiful. Oh my gosh, that makes me.
1: It's really. And like seeing a sleeping child, like Mm -hmm. at any age, Mm -hmm. you just like see them and they're like, I don't know. You see like Like all the good. You know what I mean? Because it's like. (laughs) Anyway, and so there's, and especially a sleeping baby. It's
0: just like, oh, just Can't
1: calm be and peace. Yeah, I mean, it's just be good. it brings a lot of good, good yeah. energy
2: for me. And there's also, I mean, because again, I can like feel it. There's like this, oh, it makes me visit. <laughs> but like, you know, like when you're nursing a baby, you have like the oxytocin release, so you literally have all these connecting hormones just rushing through your body. Oh man, just relaxing. Have another baby
1: too. <sighs> <Just kidding>. uh, <laughs> make. Mean, not Make big. it a dozen. I'd be okay with it, but I don't know if you guys are okay with well. Make it 12. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're done here. But, <laughs> but that does sound wonderful, and I do love that sacred time. Okay, well, I have a high five also. So there's three of us today, and mine goes to watching my oldest daughter. It was my second daughter's birthday last week, and my oldest daughter came to me like a month ago and was like, hey, I want to throw Savannah a surprise birthday party because we only do friend parties every other year because they're just a lot and they're expensive. And and we already do so much as a family for birthdays that anyway, we we do them every other year. So this year is the year of friend birthdays. And she was like, hey, I want to throw one for Savannah. And so she, I am not kidding you, got everybody's phone numbers, texted all the parents, made all the arrangements. She gave me a list of things to buy from the grocery store, you know, for the party. And that was all I did. Wow. And then I helped her set up and helped make the food. I mean, you know, so I was, and I was there for the party helping facilitate it, but she, I mean, she wanted like to put up, it. she wanted to put up the decorations by herself. She wanted to even lead the games. Like I was there as like a person in the games. Cause they needed like even numbers. But I mean, Lydia was the one who was like explaining all of it. She had the agenda out. She's the one who came up with where Savannah should be. When we showed up, like, And even told Savannah ahead of time, like, hey, mommy's going to take you fabric shopping, you know. I mean, so she did the whole thing. It was so sweet. So, anyway, high five to that moment. It was that moment of a parent of, like, oh, man, I'm really, I was just really proud of her.
1: That's so so
0: cool. Ding, ding, ding. That's
1: a triple high five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I wanted to leave that with that. Without explanation, but I don't know if we can. We tried to just have it be subtle, just move through. <laughs> but we have a great friend, Rick, who listens to the podcast. He made us our own triple high five celebration button. After
1: listening to the last podcast that that was brought up. Yes. So, yay. I don't even really know Rick very well, but thank you. I know.
2: It's so fun. And it is amazing when we line up when there's triples. Yes. And there's sometimes we're the opposite way, and that's okay, too. But... <laughs> We're going to radically accept that. We're going (laughs) to celebrate it, which leads us to radically accepting acceptance by Tara Brock. That's what we're talking about today. Radical acceptance. And it is, I mean, I know this happens a lot. Well, this happens way a lot to us, but we (laughs) pretty much every time, but some topics, I mean, I feel like we get going before we even record this guys and we are like wrestling with a topic. And this one is one of those. It's so good. It's so good, but it's so deep that we're hopefully going to help you guys find some peace specifically for me. Radical acceptance comes down to peace for me. Mm -hmm. I decrease my suffering when I'm able to, from a place of power, accept what's happening inside my body, accept circumstances. And then from that place, from that place of acceptance, it's not, it's not meaning I'm okay with it. It's just meaning I'm seeing it clearly. And then from that place, I find that I have much more power to change my circumstance, to change what's happening inside of me, but not from a place of denial, from a place of actual clarity. And my suffering goes down when I'm able to do that. And my ability to live presently and awarely, that's not even a word, but with awareness (laughs) (laughs) goes up. Yes, awarely. I kind of like that. Oh, just speaking of new words. So you guys know the word exuberant, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great word. Yes. Well, just yesterday, don't you love this It's not a real word, but I love it, exuberated. I am so exuberated. Don't you love it? Anyway, I'm gonna start using it. I'm surprised it's not real. real. It's kind of like, um, what do I always say? Awhelmed instead of overwhelmed, overwhelmed. I'm just (laughs) whelmed. I like it, sometimes you just come across a word and you're like, this needs to be in our canon. So I'm introducing it, exuberated. I'm very, I'm exuberated right now and whelmed with my life. Not overwhelmed, just full. (laughs) So
0: so we're going to tell you why (laughs) feeling, like exploring the concept of accepting ourselves is so important. The thing that um, is most exciting for me is that when... Whenever I'm reading about this or researching it or feeling it a little bit in my life, I I think that it makes me realize that there's this place where we don't have regret of the past or fear of the future and we have this like little container to, to be responsible for our own inner peace. It like just feels so calm because it holds all of the things, the hard things and the clinging to the good things. Yeah. It's like that beautiful like middle space. Yes. Yes. So Tara Brock in this book and again this
2: these are topics that we have talked about a lot and many beautiful authors have talked about these but I really love a few of the things that she says are just they really ring true with me. One is the trance of unworthiness that everybody experiences at some point in time in their lives. Some people live their entire life in the trance of unworthiness. So the of unworthiness is the concept that we all think that there's something deeply wrong with us, just at a core level. So of course we can't expect or experience wonderful things in our lives because there's something wrong with us, right? So we just live a life that we're just, we don't feel worthy. We feel ashamed. We feel whatever it is. We just live our lives beating ourselves up with an invisible club, right? And as I say this, I mean, I can think of countless times I've been in conversation with somebody and it's as though they have a club and they're just whacking themselves over and over. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't even be here. You guys are always smarter than me. This just makes me feel bad because I'm not doing any of those things. I don't know how you guys even like being around me. I mean, like I can, I can like hear people's voices saying things where it's just like a battering ram. Like they're just like, bam, bam. So, uh, Tara Brock gives this example of this woman, and I don't know why this was so poignant to me, but she said that a really good example of this trance of unworthiness was this woman was on her deathbed. I mean, she was hours away from dying and she, her eyes were closed. You know, she was kind of in that semi-conscious state. If you've ever been around somebody before they died they're well, everybody's different, but when I've seen it, it's like this very, you know, like you're kind of just coming in and out of consciousness for a while. So she was doing that and she opened her eyes and she looked at her daughter and said, my whole life I thought something was wrong with me. And she kind of like shook her head, like I can't even believe that and had a moment of like beautiful peace. And she smiled and then a few hours later died, but it was kind of like the veil was lifted mm-hmm. of to see herself clearly that you can live your whole life thinking that something's deeply flawed inside of you and that there's something wrong with that. Because I say to say that, of course, we're all deeply flawed, mm-hmm. you know, but that's how we're supposed to be as humans. None mm-hmm. of us, none of us are perfect. I can say with confidence that nobody in this room, nobody listening out there as you're driving your car, none of us are perfect. And so why do we think that because we have flaws, that means somehow we are unworthy of experiencing the beauty in this life? Mm-hmm. right? That doesn't, they're not even correlated.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We experience the beauty in this life because we are these beautiful divine beings experiencing this amazing experience on earth. When, and when I say amazing, I mean all of it. I mean the spectrum of experience of positive and negative, all those kinds of things. But that's what makes us worthy of the experience is that we're here. We are here experiencing it. So how do we know we're worthy of it? Because we are here experiencing it. So just because we have flaws does not mean that we have this trance of unworthiness that everybody else, I think there is something inside of us though. Cause I don't resonate personally with, you know, when I talk to my friends and they're doing that battering around thing of, you know, like oh, I'm well, just well. so awful. I'm so awful. Like I don't necessarily resonate. I see it and I, it makes me sad, but I don't necessarily do that to myself. But as I ex kind of explored the idea of the trance of unworthiness i do it in so many other ways so i don't think any of us are exempt like for me it looks like everybody else has they must have three times more the hours in a day that i have Mm -hmm. because everybody is way more capable than i am i i honestly feel like that pretty much every day of my life like i have (laughs) i look at the world and i'm like how does everybody do everything they do Mm -hmm. i don't even understand it Or how do people – like so I have things like that or I'll read a writer who is so amazing and I think to myself, there's no chance I could ever do something like that. And therefore, it's like a whole other world that I don't even allow myself to dabble in because I don't feel like I am even worthy of – because I feel like it's just something that's so unreachable. So I do the same thing in so many different ways. I look out at the world and I think (laughs) – who, who am I in comparison to? whatever Everybody else must have something figured out that I don't have. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just another form of this trance of unworthiness, right? I think we all yeah. think that everybody else must have something more figured out than I do. I feel like I have some things that I'm like, yeah, this is working for me. And then there are other areas of my life where I'm like, I don't even uh-huh. get how everybody else is nailing it because yeah. I don't feel like I am, right? Yeah. And that's okay, though. That's the beauty of it is it's okay. None of us are nailing everything all the time.
1: Yeah, And I think with... With this trance of unworthiness, what it can lead to is sometimes we do things that maybe even are good and wholesome, but we're doing them for almost the wrong reasons because we're trying to be better, but in a way that is coming from this place of unworthiness, which isn't necessarily serving us. And Tara Brock gives a really great, um, like her own personal experience. And she's so I'll kind of read a quote from her that she talks about. that She says, during high school, I consciously struggled with not liking myself, but during college, I was distressed by the degree of self aversion. On a weekend outing, a roommate described her inner process as becoming her own best friend. I broke down sobbing, overwhelmed at the degree to which I was unfriendly toward my life. My habit for years had been to be harsh and judgmental toward what I perceived as a clearly flawed self. My attachment to self-improvement transferred itself into the domain of spiritual practice. When I realized at at the time that kindness was intrinsic to the spiritual path in retrospect it is clear how feeling unworthy directly shaped my approach to spiritual life i moved into an ashr- ashram and spent 12 years trying to be more pure waking up early doing hours of yoga and meditation organizing my life around service and community i had some idea that if i really applied myself it would take eight or ten years to awaken spiritually okay like i feel like this totally resonates it's like, yeah. Yeah, I just do this, this, and this, and this. I will be good enough, kind of. You know, like I will arrive. I'll have arrived. Yeah, yeah. The activities were wholesome, but I was still aiming to upgrade a flagging, a flagging self, a failing self. (laughs) Periodically, I would go to see a spiritual teacher I admired and inquire. So how am I doing? What else can I do? Invariably, these different teachers responded, "Just relax." I wasn't sure what they meant, but I didn't think that they really meant relax. How could they? I clearly wasn't there in quotation marks yet. Yeah. Oh, that rings so light. Like, yeah. True. I think all of us, well, I would dare say all of us to some extent sometimes are led to doing even good activity Because sometimes I think we think of like, oh, going to an addiction such as like drugs, sex, whatever it may be. Sometimes when we are feeling unworthy, but I think also we can do wholesome and good things to, to want to feel like because we are not enough. Mm -hmm. so those wholesome and good things are good and they can be really beneficial for us. But when we're coming at it from this place of like, I am not enough as is, that's when it's just not serving us to the extent that it it really could, you
0: know, we're using them to fix ourselves instead of nurturing ourselves, our whole self that we appreciate innately yeah Yeah. well and you're hustling for your worthiness right right is already there Brene
2: Brown's quote is you either walk inside your own story and own it or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness which I know is all about you know living wholeheartedly and authentically but for me that phrase hustle for your worthiness comes into my mind all the time in any of these things we're doing because yeah all of us we know that turning to an addiction is not helpful right but what about turning to something that is healthy (laughs) that we consider, quote, healthy, right? If you're doing it from a place of hustling for your own worthiness, then, I mean, I'd still say it's better than going to an addiction, but you're still living in that trance, right? Right. You're not able to truly actually live and enjoy it. So, for example, if I'm eating my delicious oatmeal that I love so much, if I'm eating it from a place of I love my body and I'm so grateful for what it's doing for me that it allows me to live – and experience this life, so I'm doing it from this place of like, I really, from a place of love, really, any of our actions. When we're doing it from a place of love, then it becomes this nurturing experience, right? However, if I'm doing it from a place of, I do not like where I am, I'm going to hustle for my worthiness, and if I just eat this dang protein oatmeal enough, maybe I will fit my own standard of whatever I see the ideal as right maybe then I'll accept myself right mm-hmm. guess what you can eat as much whatever put any food in that I mean protein powder whatever like you can put anything in there and if you're doing it to hustle for your worthiness hoping that that'll make so you ex- so you can actually accept yourself or you'll meet your own I'm going to just insert unrealistic ideals because if we're using society's ideals society says that we need to be perfect in every way and we're not then it's from a place of, it's almost like a punishment. Right. And guess what? The oatmeal is not even going to taste good at this point, right? Like you've you've denied yourself the actual experience of living when you're hustling for your own worthiness. So to me, this invites me to look at everything I'm doing in my life and saying, am I doing this from a place of love or am I doing it from a place of this trance of unworthiness? And I'm just going to be hustling for my worthiness my whole life. That sounds exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even experiencing and tasting all the delicious things in the world. I mean that metaphorically. I'm not just talking about food. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not experiencing life if I'm doing it from a place of maybe then I will feel better and worthy. Yeah. Because that comes from the inside. That can't come from out there. Totally. And
1: I think it's, it, she uses the word trance for a reason because it is when we are in that, we're kind of, when I think about trance, you think of someone who's like not really totally, like a little bit out of it. You're kind of like not...
0: Within. Definitely not embodied at all. You're yeah. like up here controlling all the things. So I think yeah. she uses that
1: word on purpose because I think <coughs> we can all relate when, when you kind of feel like you're in a trance, like that trance of unworthiness, we are not living our lives to the fullest because we are kind of outside of ourselves and we're not recognizing things that innately we are worthy. So that's kind of like the setup for yeah where where she comes and,
0: and the root of unworthiness is feeling separate. So you know we cannot be connected and empathetic and loving and all of those things if we're trying to prove ourselves hustle defend ourselves whatever and that's we're doing all of those things when we're not coming at it from a place of already feeling whole and i think a lot of this stems from the perfectionism that we've already kind of touched on but i loved this description of like our striving for perfectionism. So when you, when you're feeling insert any negative emotion, so apathetic, depressed, prideful, that hustly feeling, pushing, whatever. It's because you're accepting someone else's view of you and you're living outside your authenticity, which is really interesting because, um, beauty redefined talks about this, uh, If you guys don't follow them, you should on Instagram. They're great. Mm -hmm. But amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. They talk about how literally our mind cannot comprehend someone else's view of our... They're specifically talking about our physical bodies. So we cannot have a view of our physical bodies from someone else's view. But most of us, especially women, we have this like idealized version of ourselves that's coming from the outside Mm -hmm. so what that actually means is that we are not embodied at all Mm -hmm. because we can't accept that view our our minds won't let us they don't work that way so we're over here having no actual acceptance no view of ourselves Mm -hmm. so of course how would we ever live authentically if we're not even in our own bodies like realizing ourselves and i think that's what perfectionism a lot of the time is. Like we're feeling this like yucky feeling because we're thinking that someone else is gonna tell us Mm -hmm. how we should be. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of just our ego. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Which is fascinating because as you're applying it to our body, and yet it applies to every part of us, that we cannot experience ourselves through somebody else. Right. We can use our imagination.
1: But it will never actually be reality because we don't actually know it. No,
2: No, and people are so complicated, we can't actually see ourselves exactly through somebody's eyes. So the only way to live, the only way to actually experience it is through our own eyes, our own bodies, our own spirits, our own emotions. Yeah. If we're trying our whole lives to just see our own image in other people, how are they perceiving me? It's like trying to live your whole life just looking at mirrors around you and never actually
0: experiencing yourself, right? And I think perfectionism, when you say that word, a lot of times it looks like, you know, I think a lot of us as women... As mothers, like we have these, you know, I need to look a certain way all the time, kind of be like put together. My house needs to be clean and decorated nicely. And there's all those more um, surface level examples. But I think perfectionism goes deeper. And it's really worth exploring because when I first started thinking about this, I was like, I'm not a perfectionist. Oh, my gosh. Like, so in so many ways, there's no perfection happening in my outward life. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, wait. There are a lot of ways in which I'm not letting myself live fully into my authentic self because of perfectionism. So it's like not putting myself out there because I'm scared of what people will think about X, Y, Z. Whether it's like you want to start doing pottery or writing or whatever. It's like, well, I'm not like the best. at it. There's like Carolyn was saying, people are way better than me. So why would I even try to do that? Or, well, they have so much time and resources. And that's why they're achieving at that level. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. So like, like all those mm-hmm. are examples of perfectionism. So maybe explore that a bit. Like where, where are you comparing yourself to an example of perfect that you have? Yeah.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6 1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new bumble now. Hey everyone, Caitlin here. I just want to thank you all for listening to Find the Magic. We are so, so thankful for you, our amazing listeners, and we think of you as some of our best friends. This was a review that I read recently that I absolutely loved. It said, the only podcast I religiously listen to. This podcast saved my motherhood. I listen doing laundry, walking, making dinner, sneaking those AirPods in so no one bothers me wherever I can. The mamas are like having coffee with best friends. And can I just insert here, I love this. Amen. They keep it so real. And during the pandemic, bless you girls, this time is so challenging. Sometimes I feel like I am barely getting by, but they make me laugh because they remind you that everyone is going through this thing called life and motherhood even now. Hugs and love from MJ. I just absolutely love this review. And these reviews mean the world to us. And we read every single one of them. So not only do they mean so much to us, but they actually really do help us here at Find the Magic. So I wanted to invite you guys, if you haven't already left a review for the podcast, we would love for you to, because it truly does help us grow the podcast. And we just want to thank you, all our friends, for listening and for being here with us. Another example, I think just being a... Parent, like totally, just like even acting as a good parent can be hard to not be caught up in perfection because it's like, even if you, you know, you're reading all these good books, you're listening to these podcasts. Like, I know for me, there, I fall short, and sometimes things happen, and I'm like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to respond to that. And it can feel like this perfectionism thing where it's like, if I can't do everything just right to like parent my two year old in this way, then. I'm not doing it. Why am I doing it? And so I think that's like another example that I think perfectionism can show up for any of us doing, I think mother parenting is hard. And I think we don't always see that as perfectionism, but Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, like we kind of put ourselves out there a lot with, with parenting our kids and we do mess up and it's, but it's okay to recognize that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And that can paralyze you or (laughs) you just pull out. I mean, think how many times as parents we just pull out the battering ram for ourselves later, you know, yeah. like, it's just like, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. And this deserves some self right? with my invisible bat, you right. know, which is so it's sad, it's sad, but we feel like somehow it's deserved. But that, that isn't the same thing as just seeing it clearly making yeah. amends where you can and going forward. Right. Yeah. I just thought, guys, as you were talking metaphor, so the trance that we're talking about that you can apply this to the trance of unworthiness, perfectionism, whatever, It is as though we are in a room full of mirrors, right? That's what this world is. I mean, even even when we're tiny, like we're two years old and we are getting feedback from other people, right? Because we're social creatures. So we're getting feedback on, are we cute? Are we smart? Are we whatever? So we're, we're living this world as our brains are developing. We're living in this world of mirrors and the mirrors are other people. But it isn't until we choose. But the thing is, guys, is the mirrors aren't clear. Because humans are not none of us. Humans are complicated creatures. So we're living. We're we're growing up. Even with the people with best intentions, even when they're looking at you through glamour shot eyes, right? It's still not perfectly clear, Clear. right? It's a glamour shot mirror. Mm -hmm. And then you have the people who are criticizing you. And then you put up these other mirrors that you've even constructed yourself of. I'm awful at this and this and this. So you're spending your life in this room full of these mirrors that are foggy or distorted or like the funhouse mirrors where they're making you look tall or whatever. But either way, they're not real. None of them are real. So as you guys were talking, it dawned on me that none of it's real. Like when you think of a trance, it's not real until we go inside of ourselves. And that's the only place we can find clarity mm-hmm. is inside of ourselves and connecting with for me is connecting with God and the inside of myself, which is the only way to actually see myself clearly. Right. It's not just not looking in the mirrors all the time, but it's actually moving them aside. So there is no mirror. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I guess another metaphor would be you're like wiping off the glass. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's still looking outside of yourself. To me, it's it's actually like, like shatter the mirrors because guess what? None of them are actually real. It's not real. Like we're just living in the way
0: we can be connected because if you're just being a reflection of what other people are putting onto you, what you're putting out isn't yourself. So you're not connected with anyone.
2: Oh my gosh. And then you (laughs) become this beautiful reflection yourself. So one of my favorite metaphors is of light. Right. And, um, we, I actually gave my kids mirrors for this, but you can like shine light into dark places using a mirror. Right. So if we can become actually clear mirrors ourselves, though, that we're shining light because we're just radiating light ourselves, then of course we're going to help other people see themselves clearly, right? We're not going to be a foggy, distorted, fun house thing. We can just be this like conduit of like I'm just trying my best, although I'm a human and I can't see you perfectly. I'm at least going to try to live in a way that like I have light shining through me and I can be a non distorted view of yourself. Right. And the beautiful thing about that is, and then in our relationships, because of course we care what the people we love think about us. Right. If everybody in my life is saying that I'm mean all the time, I might want to (laughs) reevaluate. You know, (laughs) so I'm not saying that what people think about you, it doesn't matter. I'm saying that we cannot experience this life when we're living through the lens of somebody else. That's what I'm saying. But that can we be clear ourselves? So let's like experience our own. And I'm doing this with my hands. You guys can't see. I'm, I'm I'm oh. shattering the mirrors around us. <laughs> <laughs> but then from that place, can we be clear? Can we actually shine light to other people around us and help them see themselves clearly? What's that
0: quote of the love people into existence? Remember, remember, John O'Donohue. I'll oh, look it up. You can keep it. Oh yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, oh, that's so beautiful. Yes, I can't remember. And maybe it's for glass. Maybe we're shining light through a prism. <gasps> yes, because now I'm not liking the idea that I'm a mirror.
1: Yeah. We're like I a prism,
2: right. like light's coming in, and we can shine out. People can use that light how they want to see themselves clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that way better. Yeah. Prism.
1: I want to be a prism light of light. It does illuminate, <laughs> and, it, and it brings goodness and warmth and all those things. So I like yeah. the idea that we are rather than a mirror reflecting. Yeah, it's coming. Our light's coming from. Yeah, and
2: from that place, you can experience relationships from a place of wholeheartedness. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm focused on our actual connection, not just how are you seeing what me. What you're thinking about What about me? this? Yeah. You know, how am I doing? What's my yeah. posture? Not just, literally, but figuratively, we're posturing. It's exhausting to posture. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's exhausting. Not yeah. only physically, as women, you all know the way you can stand to make yourself look, better. That's exhausting. But posturing for me way more exhausting is emotional posturing where you're like trying to appear a certain way all the
1: time. It's exhausting and it's not real. And it's not true. Yeah. And so I think when we talk about radical acceptance is exactly what you're saying. Like we can't accept an experience until we clearly see what, what we're like trying to accept. yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the two things, radical acceptance, when we talk about it from based off of Tara Brock's book, radical acceptance is first recognition or mindfulness and then compassion. So that's kind of like kind of what we'll go through is how we can actually go about radically accepting both ourselves as well as the experiences that we're experiencing in our lives. Yeah.
0: And we've talked about her acronym RAIN on a couple other of our episodes that we'll link, but it it is a, I like the acronym RAIN because it's saying the same thing, but it, I like her breakdown of recognize, allow, investigate, and then nurture your emotions. Honestly, I feel like recognizing, allowing, and investigating is like all this kind of like little swirly pod of like what works for you. And then how can I nurture that and bring it to a place of acceptance, the things I'm feeling. So the nurturing is if the compassion side of it
2: yeah. and right. the RA and the I are both really in the recognizing the section of it. And you totally. have to have both columns because yeah. I mean, she even says, if you just focus on the recognizing part, then you just end up, you can just spiral down in into pitch. your negative emotions. You're just like, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling depressed. Whoa. I'm uh-huh. really feeling it now. But unless we can bring in that compassion or the nurturing side mm-hmm. of, okay, now how can I, from this beautiful place, mm-hmm. how can I actually like nurture myself yeah. either back into healing or whatever it is, but through a place of self-care and love, Yeah. can we change it? Because we don't want to just like live, live there.
1: Yeah. And so some of the exercises that she talked about that I find really helpful, very like concrete ways that we can kind of both recognize, be mindful, and then be compassionate towards ourselves is, and we've talked about this plenty of times. And it's not a new concept because again, other authors talk about it, but just simply pausing. So when we do, when we are experiencing something that maybe is hard, maybe is difficult, whether it's emotions or an actual like situation that is we, if we can pause in that by either taking a few breaths and just simply think like, what is happening? What, like, what am I feeling? And another part that she brings in is doing kind of like a body scan. And we've talked about this before, but like, where in your body are you feeling? So, like, say I'm feeling annoyance. Where am I feeling? Am I feeling, like, a tightness in my chest? Am I starting to feel hot? Like, is my whole body starting to feel hot? Like, you can kind of go through, like, what am I actually feeling? Because the other cool thing that we don't always think about is that our our every, like, experience that we have mentally or emotionally also has a physical impact. And sometimes we don't realize that I think especially in Western culture, like we don't always connect that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when we actually like take a minute, we realize, oh my gosh, like I am so tight in my neck and shoulders. And I didn't even I I could have gone the whole day and not realized it. But as we kind of almost do like a check throughout our body, we can say like I am feeling this anger or annoyance in my body here. And it helps us as we're recognizing experiencing this Again, it helps us accept it in a way that then we can move through it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Did you guys
2: love when she brought up the pause? So we have a whole episode on the pause, but we've read it a lot in parenting stuff, right? You Mm -hmm. know, when your kid's flipping out, you take a pause. You take a deep breath. Or when your baby starts crying, same thing. It's actually my number one. When somebody has a baby and they ask me for advice, I'm like, you know, sleep. I have here some books, but I don't really have a lot for you here. But, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things where I'm like, you know, this kind of helped me. But my number one thing that I'm like, I will testify of this is the pause. Mm-hmm. The baby cries. Yeah. You take a few deep breaths instead of just like rushing in with a panic, you know, yeah. looking at the baby, what you actually need. But did you guys, I just felt this like, yes, the pause works for everybody. It works for babies. Mm-hmm. It works for toddlers. It works, it for, works for spouses. And it works for yourself. Not just your negative emotion self, but also your, when you're feeling the best of emotions. Have you ever done That's that? True. Where you take a deep breath in, like I'll have some moments where I'm like looking at my kids. This happened skiing the other day. They're skiing down the hill in front of me, and they were just like, I mean, they're they're getting good. And I had one of those moments of like, oh, I am just so proud and so happy right now, and just taking a deep breath in and being like, ah, this is this is a beautiful moment. Just breathe it in. in. The pause works then too. And they say it
0: takes 15 full seconds to like imprint a positive like memory or emotion, and like negative ones right instant. So
2: take the full 15 take seconds it. on the positive one. Yeah. Drink it in. Because it's
0: the feeling. It's not the outcome we're after. It's the feeling we're after. Yeah. It's like, so why are we rushing through it? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Let's give the positive ones.
2: But I just love it that the pause. Here we are at the pause again. I know. From this incredible meditation teacher teaching us that pauses also work with adult humans and our emotions too.
0: And with the positive and negative, I think one of the key things with radical acceptance that I don't. I never often thought about was the, the habit to move away from unpleasant sensations. Okay, that makes sense. Like I'm running or yeah. I'm numbing or blah, blah, blah. But then also toward pleasant sensations. So that's the clinging. Mm. But a lot of the times I don't think we recognize it like the positive, like perfection chasing. I don't think we recognize it as a way that we're leaving acceptance but it is. Like we if we're sh- like striving and pushing for only like all these pleasant things and we're chasing them, we aren't accepting ourselves or our current situation. We're trying to change it or trying to resist it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that all works into that recognizing your emotions and allowing them to be there instead of changing them.
1: Yeah. They're um from her book, she talks about how, like, the Buddha's teachings were never about, She talk, she's talking about desire, but I think it goes both ways. Like, we're never about eliminating or ignoring desire or painful things. It's, as with all of our experiences, the Buddha urges, merely urges us to not be ruled by it. And I like thinking about it that way, because I think mm. sometimes when I've thought about, at least in the desire thing, where it's like, yeah, of course we kind of, like, naturally try to stay away from negative things I think it's just a little bit of human nature like we try to like if something bad happens in our lives it's kind of like ooh, I don't like that and I'm going to move away so I think that's natural but yeah but then also going towards like not wanting to let go of maybe desires or things that are good but I think what's what I like thinking about is that it's not that we're ign- eliminating or ignoring it it's just that we're not wanting to be ruled by it I like mm-hmm. thinking about it mm-hmm. in that way and I think it helps mm-hmm. me I don't know. I think it helps me think about it in a clear way. Yeah. And
2: the beautiful thing about looking at desire like that is, I mean, she even used the example of a candy bar, you know, instead of saying like, Ugh, man, I really want that candy bar and I feel awful about it. And so you're just like beating yourself up for even wanting it. And you can apply this to any desire. Some desires are beautiful and helpful for us and some aren't right? Mm-hmm. But instead of just like, again, self-flagellating, just recognize it like, Wow. I really want that candy bar right now. Yeah, it looks really good. And then the beautiful thing is, and this is where the power comes, guys, is then you just get to choose whether you eat the candy bar or not, right? It's as simple as that. I am choosing. I I recognize this desire, and I'm going to choose to eat the candy bar. And guess what? When I eat it, I'm going to be so present with that candy bar. I'm going to feel every flavor, and I'm going to eat it and And just love it. it. I'm going to actually just choose it from a place of ownership. Or I'm going to choose not to eat it for a variety of reasons, but I'm just recognizing the desire with non-judgment. Like, yeah, right. it's there. And you can, again, you can apply this to anything, but then the key is you're not surrendering your own agency and your own power. Mm-hmm. Cause so many times we're like, Oh, I can't even help it. It was put in front of me. i mean, what am I going to do? Of course I'm just going to scarf it. And then because I feel guilty then I'm going to do that same thing 20 times over and over and over. And it's going to turn into this numbing, weird thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, we can just skip all that, right? Yeah. You can just recognize the desire for whatever it is. And then from a place of choice, choose yes or no. But when you're present with it, I mean Eckhart Tolle says all the time with addictions, it is difficult for an addiction to survive if we're truly living present, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think does is it Eckhart Tolle? He used the example of smoking. Uh, I might be getting the my authors mixed up. He talked about smoking. Like there's so many people who literally the program of people who want to be free of the addiction of smoking, you know nicotine specifically. Um, the program is mindfulness. So -hmm. it's literally, once you tap into what's actually happening in your Mm -hmm. body, and you're like, oh, this actually tastes gross. I actually feel this. Just the mindfulness of it makes it not even addicting anymore. Mm Because you don't have the weird guilt, numbing cycle happening. You're just looking at it like, oh, I have this thing, and I'm bringing this stuff into my lungs, and it actually is kind of gross. Yeah, I'm just using that as an example, but mindfulness is the answer. As soon as you can take away that and actually just see any desire see it clearly and then make a choice from a place of power i think i don't know because i don't know i feel like i start getting frustrated when it's like i feel like we're all just surrendering our power all the time like i'm not in control here and it's like well it's because you're not seeing it doesn't feel like you have control when you can't see yourself clearly because it feels like you're being compelled right but when you can see your own desire clearly from a place of non-judgment the compelling goes away
0: yeah right and I would say to leave you with that nurturing slash compassion piece, and to go along with what Terlin is saying is, you can, and and maybe this is through an, an image of being held by God or a higher power or source, whatever that is for you. But you you can hold your own sorrows and you can have sincere care and compassion for your own hurts. And I think sometimes, at least for me, it's like, oh, I don't want. I don't want to go into that. Like, that's too much. That's too scary. But in that, like, mindful space, like, going into it and filling it can feel overwhelming. And this is, I'm going to set aside trauma, abuse, like, all of those things. I think yeah. that can a lot of times require a different container, like, support. But and prof-
2: specifically professional support. Professional support. Yes. Because diving yeah. into yourself, I've actually talked to people who, when they try to dive into them themselves, it, it, it feels like they're drowning. Right. When you have somebody to help you hold your hand it makes you feel safer
0: yeah but you you do you have the capacity to nurture yourself and that might look different for every person we we're talking about this it might be when you move into the nurture it's a positive like thought turnaround of the situation it might be that what fits for a situation better is just a full acceptance of things as they are nurturing can look different but I think sometimes we get we get nervous that we won't be able to hold that for ourselves but we can't
2: and that brings up how do we not
0: this is where our real wrestle came in guys
2: as we're wrestling with this concept how can you because we all feel and you guys have heard I mean we've heard us all talk about when you feel an emotion for me it actually feels like I'm falling sometimes when I'm feeling a really strong emotion and I think into myself okay I'm gonna recognize it I'm gonna lean into it it feels like I'm falling Sometimes like I'm almost going to lose control. Like, whoo, I don't know, because it gets stronger. And then I would say 99% of the time, though, after about 90 seconds, it's lost its power. I can see it, but it's not so visceral and so strong. And I'm able to move through that negative emotion and process it and then intentionally bring in something positive, right? Like, I'm going to feel peace. I'm going to do these things to help me move out of this place. But what happens if you're feeling like you are diving down into that negative emotion and then you get stuck there because mm-hmm. none, none of us want to like sit there and just be like living in shame so deeply and yeah. we just can't get out and yeah we're feeling it so my guess my hypothesis is that i think honestly most of the times emotions lose their power when we lean into them so i'm not strongly worried about this however just last week I did experience this where I was, it was over a specific circumstance and I was feeling these really negative emotions and I leaned into it and I was like, it's not going away. Mm -hmm. I mean, it helped a little, but not super tons. That was really eloquent. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to give you guys two tips for me to not stay there. When you feel like you're going down into the recognition and you're trying to figure out how to have that compassion or nurturing to get out, my two tips are tapping so maybe in the show notes, I'll just link. There's a whole tapping website. You like tap different meridians on your body and you say, even though I feel shame, I deeply completely accept myself. Even though I feel shame, I deeply, completely accept myself. And then you like just tap these different parts of your body and you just say shame, embarrassment, whatever it is you're feeling. For me, that physical connection, usually by three rounds of it, helps you it's usually processed. The second thing I've tried, and I also will link the uh, episode of this, but I just did a magic moment a little while ago about it but that is actually give myself and I don't know if Tara Brock would approve of this but it works for me where you give yourself a time limit of like you know I'm gonna fill it and you know I'm just done so that's what I did this last week I was filling it I tried to process it it was still hanging around and I was just it was probably 30 minutes and I was like you know what I'm just feeling ready. Like I just want to move on. It's still here. And so I just imagined like a little timer and I'm like, you know what? If it's still here tomorrow, I'll give you some time tomorrow. This Mm -hmm. feeling. It was actually Tabitha. Tabitha is my my person who I've named in my mind who makes me feel insecure sometimes. Ronaldo is the opposite side, which is my egotistical self that makes me feel better than other people. Either way, it's ego. But Tabitha was just, she was just yelling and she was being so annoying and so loud. (laughs) And I tried all the things to get rid of her, but it wasn't working. So finally I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of sick of walking with you. So if you're still here tomorrow, if I'm still feeling the same thing about the same circumstance tomorrow, I'll give you some time, but I am just done today. And I moved on. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> it was like, a, okay, time's up. Set that aside. I'm going to now enjoy my life, but I'll be here tomorrow. If you need to come back. And it worked. I guess what the next morning, the circumstance that triggered that really strong feeling of insecurity in me had lost its power by the next morning. So those are two hacks for me when I'm getting stuck in the recognition step Mm -hmm. here that we're talking about tapping and just giving it a timer, giving it a little, little play pen and being like, you know I'm leaving the play pen now. So,
1: and I think what's powerful about the, the fact that like, because there are some situations that we are able to get out, but there's certain experiences or situations that we're in that do kind of continue on. And we can't like, we're not able to get out of them just because like we don't have control over it. So it's like, you know, I just had a friend who, was having like a kind of a complicated pregnancy and she was going to need to go into the hospital and do bed rest and do all these things. And she was like, this just isn't what I wanted, but like it was what needed to happen for her. And so even though she was feeling all these feelings about it, she was able to like kind of give, I think there's power in giving it time every day when it's something that's not going to go away and maybe you are going to be feeling sad or frustrated or whatever as this experience continues. And so I think it's good to, quote unquote, give yourself some time to just like howl at the moon if you need it to be able to let yourself process every day, but then be able to say like, okay, then I'm done and I can move on with the rest of
0: my day. I think too, there's, we're going to, we're going to bring this back for another episode of in the nurturing stage, where is there then room for positive thinking, the law of attraction, the power that we do have to create the life that we want. It's not going to, we can't do that now. It's too much. It's too much, but we, yeah, we wrestled with that this morning. And also you guys sent in some questions about when the acceptance pertains to other people, um, and things they're doing to you. And we, we also talked about that a little bit. We, we went live on our Instagram feed and let you, uh, experience the wrestling we do before every episode. So, If you're ever up at the crack of dawn, we might be doing that more because I feel like there's a lot in our preparation that we try to work through, but we'll, we'll have to bring that back for another episode. It's It's too much. It's a whole nother thing. But so to recap for me, the helpful, really helpful pieces of this book are, um, recognizing where you're stuck in that trance of unworthiness. Also recognize where you're holding yourself up to a perfectionist ideal that's outside of self and then um, work through that. You can use the acronym RAIN if that's helpful, or um, recognition and compassion or mindfulness. Again, the acronym is recognize, accept, investigate, the feeling, and then nurture. But we hope that was helpful. This is a thing that I think we all struggle with, and it, it has helped me find a lot of peace with emotions. All right, guys, let's find the magic.
2: own (laughs) cows.